Hi, I'm Carl Payton, pastor of Transformation Church RVA. I wanted to take a moment and thank you for checking out this sermon. I also wanted to bring to your attention something that is close to our hearts here. While our team has prayed that this message would stir within you a desire to know more about Jesus and be more like Him, our desire is that it would only be supplemental to your faith journey and not replace the church and faith community God has called you to be a part of locally. With that said, engage with us over the next 30 to 40 minutes as we dig into the Word of God proclaimed. Good morning, Transformation Church, our online family. All those joining us today from abroad, man, I am so glad. It really brings joy to my heart to know that you're here. And I really do, even though it's through a lens, I do feel you um, here in spirit. And and I'm just glad that you've set aside time to encourage your hearts in the Lord, encourage your families in the Lord, to make Jesus a priority. And I wanted to start out by just telling you a couple things that have been going on, and let me update you. Um, So... Obviously, we are only meeting online right now. We're not meeting in person. But just because, and you can probably uh, tell the person next to you, nudge them in the arm, point across the room, and just say, God isn't confined to the building. And what I mean by that is God has just been at work. Um, Our food pantry has been steadily feeding families, really needy families. We've partnered with Grace Home Ministries to feed single moms and their families and help minister to them. We are working with the Chesterfield Food Bank by sending volunteers. Um, We're working with Ascend Church to feed those on the Jefferson Davis Corridor with their hotel ministry. So God is at work amongst all this chaos it's amazing, and, and I want you to be a part of that too. Um, I, I've also watched as uh, people have made next steps, people wanting to get baptized, people accepting Jesus as their Lord and Savior for the very first time. I mean, God is at work, and it's so exciting. Um, and I guess I'll take a moment just to say that our prayer as a team has been that your life is transformed from this message, from this worship, from this time together. Um, And so what that means is you, uh, I know it can tend to feel like entertainment because you're watching on your phone, your tablet, on the TV, wherever you're at right now. Um, But I pray that you wouldn't let this be transactional. I pray that you would let this weigh on your heart and life um, in such a way that changes you, um, and, it, and it can change you. The Word of God, worship, it can change and encourage your heart. Um, now, with that being said, uh, I, I know many of us can kind of look and watch this. They'll watch these messages, and you would even possibly do this in person. You'll watch the preacher preach, and then the whole time you're thinking, I know someone who needs to hear this. I'm going to share this video with them. I know somebody who really needs to hear this word. They need to be corrected. This message is for someone else. I want to take, before we jump into Corinthians and start talking about complicated relationships in church, let me just tell you, this word is for you. 
This word applies to your heart. Um, and while, yeah, I'm, I'm totally cool if you think somebody could be encouraged by this, um, but don't be mistaken. God's word is for you and your heart today, and man, it will blow your mind. And I'm, I'm, that's my prayer. That's my hope for today. So turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 1. 1 Corinthians 1, and we'll be in verses 10 through 17. So chapter 1, the big number, versus the smaller numbers. And um, this is the third week in our series called It's Complicated. And we're talking about complicated relationships. <laughs> We've all had them. Uh, the first week, we talked about complicated relationships at home. Um, and God really stepped in our hearts and kind of stepped on our toes a bit that Sunday. Week number two, we, last week we talked about relationships with friends and how relationships, a community, is important. It's something we shouldn't avoid no matter how often we've been hurt, no matter how difficult it may be, and even against some of our characters, we need each other. Two are better than one. That was what we learned last week. And this week, relationships with the church... And then next week, we'll talk about relationship, our relationship with God. I'm so excited about next week. So if this is your first time today, go back. Watch the other two uh, services. You will enjoy them. And then uh, watch today and join us again next week. Um, so let me just introduce you to the Corinthian church. Um, the church in Corinth is dysfunctional in the extreme extremely dysfunctional. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean that some of what we talk about today won't feel uncomfortable for us. You may have experienced some of the things we talk about today, but uh, Corinth, the city, uh, was one of the most significant cities um, in the ancient world. So just to paint a picture, if, if you said um, Corinth in the ancient world, you would be mimicking or it would be the same tone as Rome or Athens. Uh, or today it might be like, say, New York or London or um, maybe even Paris. And the reason was is because it was positioned on the kind of, it had an Aegean Sea connection and an Adriatic Sea connection. So it had two um, places of export. So here's what that means. They were loaded. They were shipping. It was an epicenter of all types of things. But with export, you also have import. And there were more than just goods imported. There were attitudes. There were cultures. There were things that were adapted in Corinth because of it being such a major city. Lawlessness, paganism, sensuality ruled the day in Corinth. In fact... Um, if it was the center of worship for Aphrodite. So if you were to be called a Corinthian uh, in those days, it was actually a slur on your character. Um, it, was, it meant that you were someone given over to immorality and drunkenness. So this is the picture of Corinth, and this is where we find ourselves today, and we find Paul... Actually, in Acts chapter 18, he plants a church in Corinth. Paul's nuts, okay? Um, and he's also very brave and courageous, but he knew the gospel had to go forward, but he planted a church here. And uh, 
He spent about a year and a half with the Corinthians, kind of planning it with uh, this lady named Priscilla and her husband, Aquila, and they built this gospel ministry together, and then he left. Well, what we're reading today is his first letter back to the church, because he started getting some word about some tough things going on. So let's read this together, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 10. Now I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree in what you say, that there be no divisions. Everybody say divisions among you, and that you be united with the same understanding and the same conviction. For it has been reported to me, me being Paul, about you, my people, my brothers and sisters, by the members of Chloe's people, that there is a rivalry among you. What I am saying is this. One of you says, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Apollos, or I belong to Cephas, or I belong to Christ. Is Christ divided? Listen, if you underline in your Bibles, underline that. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in Paul's name? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius. And so that, verse 15, no one can say you were baptized in my name. I did, in fact, baptize the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not recall if I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel not with eloquent wisdom, I love this part, so that the cross of Christ will not be emptied of its effect. Now, the basic problem they're facing in Corinth, and really, many of you, when we talk about complicated relationships at church, most of you have experienced some type of complicated relationship in relation to church or church leadership or somebody at church, um, and this is the source of most of it. The basic problem they have is division. Division. Um, what had birthed after Paul had left were about four personality kind of cults um, that where young believers, it's a new church, were identifying uh, with the teacher that had baptized them, uh, in the case of Paul and Apollos. And uh, now, listen, what the early church leaders were doing was not wrong. They were preaching the truth. They were teaching the truth. And, and honestly, there's no wrong in following a godly leader. But what they came upon was some division because of it. And so let me just tell you the four people, the four personality groups here. We have Paul, okay? Paul founded the Corinthian church. He spent over a year there developing them. Um, he would be the equivalent to them of a senior pastor. Um, he was who they knew. He was their spiritual leader. Um, led many of them to Christ. Then there was Apollos, who was with Paul, uh, noted as a gifted speaker, very passionate speaker, um, incredible at apologetics, as you would see in Acts 8, 28. Um, uh, he was just gifted. And so some people uh, kind of clung to him. Then you have Cephas, or who we know is Peter. He was one of the 12 disciples. Um, he was instrumental in launching the entire church. 
And he was known as one of the most bold and headstrong people. So it's not a shock that young believers would follow a personality like that or a person like that. Um, And this is kind of weird. I thought this was weird. There was apparently a group that claimed not to follow a man, but to follow Jesus only. Now listen, there's nothing wrong with that in principle, but Paul is actually reprimanding them um, and rebuking them and suggesting uh, that this group kind of felt super spiritual. Anybody ever run into somebody super spiritual at church that thought uh, they were above everybody else they had it figure out they were more gifted they were more talented Jesus loved them more I don't know I've run into some older folks that would say they were so heavenly minded they were no earthly good Uh, this is there's nothing wrong with loving Jesus right Jesus is the ultimate source of authority but he gave um, and equipped humans to teach and lead people to the gospel and so as a result of these different personalities um the church in Corinth was divided. And um, man, when Paul asked the question, is Christ divided? Um, he's, he's really pressing in on how church relationships should look. And they, uh, there's always going to be a complicated nature to church relationships. You know why? Because humans go to church. Uh, people go to church. And we are imperfect. Yes, even I am imperfect. Um, I am very well aware of it, and you can ask my wife. She'll tell you. Um, But listen, as long as there's people in the church, it's going to be imperfect. So if you're watching this today and you're like, I went to church one time, and they basically shunned me because I was walking through a hard time or I couldn't get my act together, uh, I'm glad you're watching because it shouldn't have looked like that. Um, and, And the goal, the marker of the church should be a unity. But they were divided when Paul got the news in three ways. So let's go over those three ways they were divided. One, they were divided doctrinally. They were divided doctrinally. They were um, no longer agreeing with one another about their core beliefs. Now this is big. This is a big deal because theology is important. Now what's theology? Theology is the study and understanding of God. So all of us have have theology shaped by how we grew up or the backgrounds we have. Um, But here at Transformation Church, we uh, base our theology on Scripture alone. This is where we find God, right here, in his truest form. And so, but theology in the Christian faith uh, can come in kind of two hands. One is a closed hand. We call it the closed hand of theology. A closed hand. And then there's the open hand of theology. So just briefly, let me just try and get you to uh, hopefully uh, shape this well and frame it up for you. In the closed hand, the closed hand of theology would be things that are non-negotiable, things that do not change, things that if you are Christian, you believe this. If you do not believe the things in the closed hand, you are not a Christian. So these are things that separate Christians from every other religion around the world. This closed hand. Um, The open hand would represent things that different churches within the Christian world would believe differently on, 
but we are all still Christians and we love each other and we should be unified around this. Now, what's in this hand? Very simply, there there are several things, but um, the main thing is this. Jesus Christ is our way to God. The Bible says he's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the only way to get to God. And if you're a Christian, that's in the closed hand. It's non-negotiable. That's what we believe. If you don't believe that, I mean, that's okay, but that's, you're not a Christian if you don't believe that. So you might be something else, and, and that's, that's fine. But what we believe is that Jesus is the way to heaven. We also believe that uh, we are saved by faith alone, through grace alone, in Christ alone. End of story. Period. The cross of Christ saved us. Period. No works can earn it. No proper attitudes can, can woo God into saving you. There's nothing you can do in your own effort to be saved. You know what? Jesus did it on the cross. It was complete. He said it was finished. And we believe that's through grace alone, sola gratia, uh, by faith alone, sola fide, in Christ alone, solo Christo. So that's what we believe. That's in the closed hand. Now in the open hand are some other things. And Christians get in fights over these things. They shouldn't. Um, But in the open hand are things that different Christians believe differently, but should not cause division. Should not cause division. Like, how should women serve in the church? Um, God made the world in six 24-hour periods and is no more than 6,000 years old. That's all in the open hand. Uh, Can Christians watch rated R movies? Can Christians drink alcohol? Is homosexuality a choice? Uh, Jesus was a pacifist, and so should you. All these things are open-handed and should be in the open hand. Christians shouldn't have credit cards or drive new cars or uh, live in big houses. Speaking in tongues uh, doesn't happen anymore. Saturday is the real Sabbath. I don't know. Divorced people should never marry again. A Christian doesn't have to go to church. These are all open-handed things. And can I tell you why that's the problem and why that divides? Many of us have taken open-handed issues and placed them in a closed hand. And all of a sudden, the church is divided. And, And can I tell you something? That is so sinful. It is so sinful. Division is sinful. God has called us to unity. And what I would say is you need to check what's in your open hand and what's in your closed hand. If you're a Christian, there are some things that need to be in the closed hand. But if you mistakenly put something from the open hand, that you can believe that and still go to heaven and still love Jesus and still be a good Christian. And so let's make sure we don't get the hands mixed up. Number two, they were divided organizationally. So the word division here in the text is from the Greek word schismata, uh, which is where we get the word schism. And the picture painted is, uh, it was used during like uh, fabric or making clothes to represent a tear in the clothes. Now, have you ever torn a piece of clothing? Um, So here's what happens. You get a tear, you snag it. For me, like one time I snagged my belt loop on like it hooked a door handle. Have you ever had that happen? Like your belt loop hook a door handle? It's really embarrassing. Um, I remember it was for me because I was following a crowd and all of a sudden I didn't know why I wasn't moving anymore. And then like I almost dislocated my hip. I mean, it was very traumatizing and I hooked it and it ripped a little hole in my jeans. I was like, okay, no big deal. 
Well, um, I am of wider stature, okay? So you know what that means. My mom would say husky back in the day. We don't say that anymore. It's not cool. Um, and so whenever I would bend over, like this hole would get bigger and bigger. And then all of a sudden, things started unraveling. You've had that happen. Shirts, pants, they start to unravel. Here's the problem. When you don't address division in the church, things come apart. And many times that takes the shape of somebody's walk in Jesus. Sometimes people get wounded in that process when a church is divided over some open-handed things. Like we're not unified around the right things. And all of a sudden somebody... Somebody's faith becomes unraveled. The organization becomes unraveled. And so this is Corinth. The church family had gotten split. They were vying for control. Uh, Number three, they were divided organically. So Paul begs the Corinthians to be united in what Scripture says here as um, the same understanding and the same conviction. Now the New King James phrases this like this. It says, Perfectly joined together. Perfectly joined together. Now, what is this trying to get across to us? Let me tell you. It's referencing what it would look like to reset a broken bone. Being perfectly joined together. It's this picture of resetting a broken bone. And Paul often refers to the church with Uh, the human body and mind. So here what we're seeing um, is where division is in the church. It's like trying to run a race with a broken leg. Have you ever done that? No, you haven't. Why? Because it's excruciating. It would cause more damage, right? So they were divided doctrinally. They were divided organizationally. They were also, they weren't jelly. They were, that, there were cliques. It was nasty, And let me just pause and say, and if you've ever been wounded by the church, let me apologize. I'm so sorry. The church should be a place where people can come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior and leave restored and changed by His Word and by His presence. And my heart breaks for you if you've stopped coming to church or you're, you've written off God because of the church. Let, I just want to say, I'm sorry, but then I also want to say, listen, there is no perfect church because there are no perfect people. But one thing I can assure you is what the goal should be is this very next point is the essential solution. So what's the solution for all this? The solution is unity around the right things. Paul Um, When he appeals to the Corinthians, he says in verse 10 here, he says, Agree in what you say, that there be no divisions, and that you be united in the same understanding and the same conviction. Um, Now, let me me say what he doesn't say here. Uh, He doesn't mean, okay, that there isn't diversity. Okay, so there has to be diversity in the church. In fact, later in the book here in Corinthians in 12 through 14 in 1 Corinthians, he talks about the spiritual gifts and says a healthy church is a diverse church. Um, But diversity does not mean divisiveness. Just because there's diversity in church doesn't mean there has to be divisiveness. Um, We just talked last week about 
how we should interact in community with friends. Um, and as Christians, we should come from a standpoint and be marked by mercy. So we're talking that we should not only be marked by unity here, but we should also be marked by mercy. And some of us walk around church as if mercy is ours to dole out, like it was ours to give in the first place. When that is not the case, mercy belongs to God. Grace belongs to God, and it is not for you to hoard. So when we dance around the church and, and trying to wave our magic mercy wand on, on those who we may or may not see fit to have it, that's not your place. Christian, hear me today. It is not your place. We should be coming from a stance of mercy. Oh, what God, what mercy God has shown on me. What grace God has shown on me. Brother, sister, let me walk with you through this. Now, the thing above all else that joins Christians together is the atonement, uh, which is the saving work of Christ on the cross. Paul alludes to this right here in 13. He says, is Christ divided? Was it Paul who was crucified for you? And then he comes right back here to 17 and he says that the cross of Christ will not be emptied of its effects. Now, according to the commentary, 17b kind of gives us the main theme of 1, 18 through 2, 5, which is this. The focus of Christian proclamation must remain clearly centered on the cross of Christ rather than baptism or any other thing that we can come up with. If we have to stay centered. The whole point of unity and what we unify around is the cross of Christ. It is what brings us together. Because if you're only united around your Sunday school class, then you're divided with everybody else. If you're only div um, unified around a service time, um, then you're kind of divided from people who attend other services. If you're divided around one of these open-handed issues or this or that, you know what? That's going to divide the church. So how do we avoid it? Very simply. We unify around the cross and Jesus' pain for our sins on the cross. The church is the only place where people who would never naturally, for any other reason, get together. They should be able to get together and unify around. They have all been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. If the crucifixion is the only thing we have in common, it's enough. It's enough. When the cross is not the priority, any other priority will end up dividing us. And so I, I want to just for a moment say to you, um, the church should be marked by mercy, yes. But we should also, your relationships with church, no matter how complicated they've been in the past, can I tell you what they should look like? They should be unified around the cross of Jesus. They should be unified around the cross of Jesus. And listen, I... The question is, and this is the question I put on your notes today, how can you start repairing relationships to unify with the body of Christ? Um, I'm almost embarrassed to say this uh, as a Christian, but I have attended churches where um, these people would squabble it out over something usually stupid, 
and then sit on opposite sides of the church and not talk to each other. This is not the picture Christ had of the church. I've had people um, get bound up and leave the church uh, because they didn't get their way. Or This is not what the church should look like. This is what the church should look like. Believers and those looking for Jesus coming together, proclaiming the redemption that he set for us on the cross and claiming it and linking arms around it because that is truly good news for you and I. That is truly good news. Can I pray with you? Father, for those hearing this message today and feeling like they want to know and they want to be in relationship with this God that we're talking about, Father, I pray this prayer with them and you can say it out loud. Father, I am a sinner. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe you died and rose again to redeem me to you. I give you full control and I love you. Come into my life. And God, for those today who have been wounded by the church, God, let your Holy Spirit heal them right now in the name of Jesus. Through your Holy Spirit, we claim all healing and unity in the church today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for streaming this audio from Transformation Church RVA, located in Richmond, Virginia. For more information, check out our website at www.transformationrva.com.